Hello, welcome back to the Athlete's Voice podcast. My name is Yonan Knight Wisdom, and this is episode six of The Aim, The Athlete in Me, where I want to help you become the best you can be. Good morning, and it's a Monday morning as I sit and record this because. Last night, I got back from Plymouth on a Sunday night and it was a little bit too late. I literally just had to get straight to bed because I was knackered from the weekend. So I decided to value my sleep, go to bed, have a good night's sleep and then wake up and record the podcast rather than staying up and doing it tired because I think as I've seen in the past, when I record tired, I start chatting a bit of rubbish and not really making sense to myself, so I assume that it doesn't come across with much sense either. But this week I am doing it slightly differently because the voice notes that I've recorded through the week, I've kind of just gone back before starting to record and just listen to them to kind of remind myself what was going on because it's been such a busy week where a lot has happened And I genuinely forgot what happened on Monday, what I did on Monday. And I didn't want to kind of listen to it and have to scramble and scrap to figure out what I was talking about at the time. I just wanted to make sure that I knew and was aware of what I was talking about, what I was feeling and why I made that voice recording. Just to remind myself and then it means I can talk about it a little bit easier. But I think what I'd like to do is kind of set a bit of a theme for each week and I can only do that by kind of listening to back, listening back to what I spoke about and then setting a theme. So the theme for this week I think is going to be energy and the reason why I choose energy will become clear very very soon so let's get into it, let's get into the voice notes, let's hear what I was thinking about and speaking about last week starting with the first one week with such high energy I'm a little bit scared that I'm just going to crash and burn by the end of the week especially because I got a dive Saturday Sunday but you'll see I cut off the first word of this voice note but I think it said something like this week has started with such high energy and I was literally just driving to the pool and I felt full of energy I was, I think I was going for my afternoon session but the way I started my first session in the pool like it was just power energy just good vibes, really, really pingy, really springy. I felt like I was moving well. I felt like I was diving well. And then after the first session, I went and did weights. And because of weights, I then started to feel a little bit slower. But, you know, I still felt good. I still felt confident. I still felt excited. I think the reason why is I had this competition coming up towards the end of the week. So I wanted to make sure that I started off on a really strong note. But I was a bit worried because that was Monday. And... It's very easy to start the week with high energy, feeling good. It's another thing to maintain it throughout the entire week with all the training that I had to do, all the other things that I had to do around training, coaching, visiting the school, and then traveling down to Plymouth and then competing, commentating over the weekend as I was instructed to do, and then competing Saturday and Sunday, making it a seven day week of training because 
I also trained on the Wednesday. I did a quick weight session, even though I didn't get in the pool, but I did a quick weight session. So I was a bit worried that all my energy that I felt I had at the start of the week was just going to slowly fizzle out. And by the time I got to Sunday, I was almost going to be like a shell of a person and not be able to dive well in competition. But fortunately, that was not the case. And I'll come to that a little bit later on. And kind of got me thinking about how I've been able to maintain that energy and what I've been doing differently to maintain that energy. Because there was a time last season where you know, I would, I would get to like Thursday, Friday, Saturday and just really struggle. Like I would always say Thursday was my hump day, whereas, you know, people say Wednesday's the hump day because it's in the middle of the week and it's the toughest day. And they get towards the weekend, it gets a little bit easier. Whereas for me, Thursday was normally my hump day. Thursday was the day that I struggled in training to bring the energy and to dive well. And then I'd have to rally by Friday and try and do a little bit better on a Friday. And then Saturday morning was just all about survival, really, and just getting through it to end the week. But I couldn't approach this week with that same attitude because I had to get through every single day with as much energy as possible. And I think the reason I've been able to do that is one, because of the nutrition that I've worked on and improving what I eat. So making sure that my body is well fueled at all times, especially when I need it, especially when it comes to those competition days or those days where I'm struggling. I've I've got the fuel in my body so I can kind of trust that it's able to bring that power and bring what it needs to work hard. And I think the second thing is just my purpose, to be honest. The purpose that I'm feeling right now to want to train hard, to want to push myself, to want to compete well. It makes it a lot easier. It makes it 10 times easier to do that and to continue bringing the energy no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter how I wake up, no matter whether my body feels a little bit sore. That purpose just adds that extra 5% for me to say, okay, it's going to be tough, but you can do this, you can keep on going, you can power through, and it's going to be worthwhile. And that's what I'm feeling right now. That's what I feel, that's what I felt throughout this entire year. And because I feel like the jigsaw of my life is slowly coming together, I'm slowly starting to see a bit more direction and a bit more of a clear idea on what I want to achieve, what I want to do, what diving is going to be useful for. And that's helping me to push myself every single day in training. So a good, in a good place but I'll speak more about what happened for the rest of the week later on in the podcast okay on to the next voice note I must never take the opportunities I have for granted and the situation I'm in for granted so I got a message on I think it was either Sunday or Monday probably Sunday from an Egyptian diver called Mohab who is an awesome, awesome, awesome diver, a really talented diver. I think he made the Olympic final last year, so he's he's brilliant and he's he's very good. But the facilities that he's got available to him in Egypt are not up to scratch at all. It's a really tough environment to train. And the coaches, you know, aren't of the highest level. Mohab has just been talented and he, he's had good coaching, obviously, to get him to this level, but who knows where he could have been if he had had world-class coaches for the entirety of his career. And he got the opportunity to go to Kazan for a FINA development program over the last kind of couple of years in the build-up to Tokyo 2020, where he worked with some high-quality coaches there using the world-class facilities that they've got in Kazan. But since that program, that program has ended, he's had to go back to 
Egypt and train there. But he messaged me saying that he is hoping to get away from Egypt and train in a different environment. And he asked me what the possibility is of tra training in Edinburgh. And I don't know how possible that's going to be. It's going to be quite tough. But it made me think about the opportunities I've had throughout my career and the facilities I've had and how I must not ever take that for granted, which I never have done. I've always been really appreciative of it. But from a young age, I had two of the best coaches in the world, in Edwin and Adi. They taught me the best technique and the right skills and guided me and took me in the right direction to give me the best chance and best possibility of becoming a good, high-quality diver. And that's shining through now, the fact that I'm still going at 27 years old. That great guidance and that good coaching. And even through the difficult years in Leeds, as I came towards the end of my time there before I left and moved to Edinburgh. The good coaching that I had, no matter what, even from Adam and Mark, and then moving up to Edinburgh and now being under the guidance of Jen. I've been so lucky and so fortunate to have such good coaches and such good facilities. The facilities up here in Edinburgh are fantastic. The facilities that we had down in Leeds were awesome, you know. Where I started diving, the Leeds International Pool wasn't very nice, it wasn't that great, but it was a good pool, a 10 metre facility where we had everything we needed at the time to start our diving careers. And then fortunately we moved to a new facility, the John Charles Centre, which at the time was one of the best in the country and has slowly slightly deteriorated over time, especially as new pools have been built. There's been new pools in Plymouth, in London, South End that have been built ever since. So Leeds have kind of taken a step back in terms of the quality of the facility, but it's still a great pool. And I had use of that for, you know, the best part of 14 years, I think it was, which is just incredible. And now up in Edinburgh, the facilities, not just the pool, but the S&C opportunity I have. And even now my physio is really helping to shape me to be the diver that I am today. And I've got to be grateful for that. Not everyone's got good facilities, but even if you don't have great facilities, it doesn't matter because you can still do so much. So many of the best athletes come from not the greatest facilities. I, I look at Jamaica, for, for example. Jamaica has some of the best sprinters, the best track and field athletes the world has ever seen. Usain Bolt, Safa Powell, Shelley Ann Fraser-Price, Elaine Thompson, and more and more and more. And those guys grew up with the most basic facilities, the most basic quality, but they had good coaches, they had a culture for the sport, and that's what drove them to success. It wasn't the facilities, it wasn't the sports science, it wasn't having money pumped in. It's the culture that was built and it was the coaching, it was the passion for the sport and that's what you need to become successful. So no matter what facilities you have available, if you have the passion, if you're fortunate to have good coaching, but even if you don't, the passion, the drive, the ambition and the dedication can take you to places and then maybe afterwards you might get access to good facilities that will help just improve the quality of your training by margins, very fine margins that could make a difference between making the Olympics and not making the Olympics or making the final and not making the final or winning the medal and not winning the medal. That is where the facilities come in. But 
to find success, to find the level of success that you need, it's it's not upon the facilities. It's not it's not the be all and end all. I'm just extremely grateful and extremely fortunate for everything that I've had in my career so far. Okay, moving on to the next voice note. If this last 24 hours has taught me anything, it has taught me to be flexible and always be receptive and responsive to change. So there was like three things I think that changed and happened over that 24 hours that made me just stop and think and just make sure I considered the options and relaxed and didn't overreact because it could have been very easy to overreact in that situation. The first one was with the school, we were due to deliver the social action projects with the groups on the Wednesday. And I got a message from the teacher on the Monday saying that they're going to have to postpone the delivery or, or you know, change it or cancel the session on the Wednesday because of exams going on at the school. So we weren't able to do it. So I'd been running the programme to this plan and we'd been all set for session number seven being the delivery day. And then after the delivery on session number eight, we would use that as a wrap-up session and also maybe get the, the, the kids down to watch me do a training session as a celebration kind of thing. But I had to change the plans and not for just for session number seven, but for session number eight, last minute and create a new structure to the session and also create a new structure to session number eight for the new delivery but I was able to adjust and adapt well and still was able to deliver a good session and the kids enjoyed it and they were also able to work on their plans for the delivery in session number eight so hopefully their delivery will be even more successful so I'm excited for that but that was the kind of that kind of set the precedent next thing was uh, Jen and she's now announced it to British Diving so she said that I'm free to tell everyone um, that I see fit so here's a perfect opportunity but Jen announced that she's pregnant again and that means that she's going to be off on maternity leave from about October until about April next year which obviously isn't ideal because training with Jen is just what I want and what I need and we've had the disruption before when she was well I don't want to say disruption because pregnancy is awesome but, um, you know, in 2019, she was off on maternity leave uh, with her second child. And that meant that we had a cover coach, uh, which was Becky, for the rest of the year. But Becky's also pregnant and Becky's also going to be off on maternity leave for a period of time at the end of this year. It's literally going to be very similar due dates. So Jen's having to work out who's going to cover her while she's off on maternity leave. But regardless, I'm at the stage now where, you know, I, I need Jen and I, I enjoy having Jen alongside me, but I don't need her. I'm not reliant upon her being there. If she's going to be off for a period of time, I can still do what I need to do to get to where I would need to be because of the precedent that she's set over the last couple of years and because of the work that we put in. And as long as I stay on track and stay focused on what I'm doing, then regardless of whether she's there or not, I can still work hard and improve and do my thing and that was shown in the week a couple of weeks ago when everyone was down in Sheffield and Jen wasn't there and I had various different coaches I was still on task and I still was able to do what I needed to do and that has resulted now in a decent competition so it shows that even though it's 
a minor inconvenience in terms of my journey and my process is not going to be defining on my success in a few years time when it comes around to the Olympics. She's going to be off for a period of time, but she's going to be back. I'm not going to have lost anything while she's been away. Hopefully when she comes back, I'm going to be a better diver and there'll be no change in that. So that was the other thing that changed, you know, it made me think about potential options. She even suggested the potential option of going out to Australia and training with AD for uh, training with AD and Edwin for a period of time, uh, maybe for like a month or so, which could potentially be a thing. Um, but is isn't a hundred percent necessary, but would be nice because you know obviously would love to go to Australia. Um, but you know there's there's various options, and regardless, it's going to be totally fine. And then the third thing that changed was. Um, a little deal that my manager Sam is trying to create for me um, to go and do a photo shoot. I can't talk too much about it yet. Well, I don't want to talk too much about it yet because it hasn't happened, but working with people in this kind of industry is very challenging because uh, everything happens a bit last minute and things change very quickly. And I asked Sam, well, we, we set the dates of this week currently as the date that, we would probably do the shoot, but then with the school change and delays with the photographer being able to be available, we said probably won't happen this week. But then actually on Friday, he was like, oh, it might happen this week. Is it possible? So I just made sure that I was receptive to the change and was willing to adapt and adjust as necessary because these things happen last minute and these things you got to be ready for. And, you know, if I hope to become a business person and an entrepreneur, whatever it is, whatever word you want to call it, you have to be ready to adjust and you have to be calm, you have to be composed because things can change very quickly and you have to make the right decisions and, the, and react in the right way when these things happen. And naturally, I think my reactions are good and I, I showed that in reaction to these three things, that I stayed composed, I didn't panic, I didn't overreact, I took the information, I understood what I needed to do to make sure that I was still in the good window and still in the good place, no matter what happened. And everything from that point was, was good. Moving on to the next voice note. Time is value, not money. So I was thinking about this whilst I was at the school actually on Wednesday and I feel like what I'm trying to do at this point is make my time more valuable. And this is my intention to help me earn money as I grow up because I essentially want people to pay for the use of my time. And what can I do to make my time more valuable? Well, it comes with experience, it comes with knowledge, it comes with certain things I can offer, ways I can help people, things I can do, things I say. Ultimately, people have to then trust in my opinions, trust in my thoughts and ideas and that is what makes my time more valuable. And there's the phrase that time is money and I, th I think that brings kind of the wrong connotation for what time actually means because time is fragile and it can be lost so quickly, it can be wasted so easily, it has to be used very, very wisely. And I think the phrase time is money means you know every time you know every second of the day is an opportunity to make money but 
the obsession shouldn't be on money and that can cause you to do things and make decisions that might be good for the short term but not good for the long term and I'm trying to create long-term value of my time because I think that's where I'm going to be the most successful for me personally so by saying time is value it means that every single second of the day is of value to me and of value to what I need to do and then hopefully in turn will be of value to other people as well so even as I'm recording this podcast it's taking time away from other things that I could potentially be doing but hopefully with it I'm providing value to some people listening in one way shape or form whether that is an athlete or a business person or someone that is taking my principles of life and principles of performance to improve their own performance but also I get value from just kind of sitting and speaking and sharing my thoughts and verbalizing my ideas and what goes on in my brain because that's something that I've always struggled with and actually speaking about it and getting it out is making me feel a little bit better every time that I do it so I'm getting value other people are getting value from me taking these kind of 30 minutes 40 minutes however long it takes to record this podcast but if I'm not doing this I could be doing something else that is also a value and I'm not just sitting and wasting time and you know watching Netflix so that you know if people want to make use of my time I can say this is the value of my time because this is the cost of the other things I could have been doing with this time rather than saying this time actually isn't that valuable because I would have just been sitting around doing nothing watching Netflix or just wasting the time so I think the concept of time is value is much more relevant and much more valid than the concept of time is money because seeing time as value is thinking about the long term whereas seeing time as money is just thinking about the short-term gains but to find success it's always important to think in the long term and kind of play the long game play the slow game slowly chip away slowly improve and then eventually you'll find success if you just play the short game and look at short-term goals and short-term objectives then you'll miss opportunities that are kind of bigger than just the short term. So time is value, not money. On to the next voice note. I was reminded today about my absolute obsession for coaches as a kid. So this is a very, very random thought. And the reason why I thought this is because actually whilst I was in the school, we had a volunteer in from the company that is sponsoring the program and uh, in one of the social action projects one of the groups is, is working with lego and creating like a stop motion video to inspire other kids and also teach them a little bit about mental health and some of the options that are available if they need to talk or if they're getting bullied or things like that so they were using Lego and I was talking to this volunteer basically saying that I never really played, well I played with Lego a little bit as a kid but my obsession was like cars but also coaches and the reason why I was obsessed with coaches like like big buses was because my dad was a coach driver in the other coach company and now he's retired from driving but that's where my obsession absolutely grew because I got to see the buses every day and I think what what gets me with coaches is the fact that they're just so big and it's like 
the whole thing is being just controlled by one person. Kind of the same concept as a plane light. You've got this one person sat right at the front and they're responsible for ex escorting all these people in the back who have so many different stories and so many different life journeys and might be entertaining themselves in different ways on their journey. But it's this one person's responsibility to take them from point A to point B on this massive vessel. And I just find that really weird and really fun but I also got to drive with my dad a, a number of times you know when I was off school in summer I would join him on some of his trips to various locations like he would take schools or groups or community groups to like Flamingo Land which is a theme park in Yorkshire or to you know Alton Towers or other places Blackpool Pleasure Beach or Skegness or wherever and Scarborough I would go with him and sit in the front and you know kind of watch what he did and drive with him and it was always funny because if you drive past another bus on the motorway you'd always like either flash your lights and, and wave or whatever to just acknowledge the other bus driver and I would always take that responsibility so every, every time we drove another, to pass another bus I would like be sat in the front like waving at the other driver and I used to absolutely love it it was so much fun but it was never in my interest to kind of like take over the coach company business or become a coach driver. That was never in my interest whatsoever, just because I was so obsessed with sport at the same time as well. And I loved sport and sport was always the thing for me. And also I'm not so good with manual labor. That's not what I like doing. You know, my dad would work through winter and through all the seasons and barely take a day off that she'd work in 24 seven, even working from home and, just never stopping and that wasn't that wasn't my interest uh, but I enjoyed seeing it and I enjoyed kind of being around it and you know I, I've always just liked the concept of coaches ever since and then funnily enough obviously flying down to Plymouth that same evening on the Wednesday I had to fly to Bristol and then get a bus from Bristol to Plymouth and sat on the bus it's so uncomfortable I'd much rather have been in the car because it's so much quicker, but the bus takes so long. But it just reminded me of, of kind of the times as a kid when I was riding on the bus and when everything was just easy and fun and uh, kind of riding there with my dad. And yeah, it was just, it just kind of just brought back good memories, really. Um, that's kind of what that point was. And, uh, you know, on that journey, I was just excited and feeling energy for arriving in Plymouth and, and, what was going to happen but I had no idea what was going to happen next upon my arrival of course it was the 11th that I flew down and literally we pulled up to the bus station at 23.59 and there was some clocks at the bus station I literally stepped off the bus as the clock counted down 58, 59, 60, 12pm or 12am I should say on Thursday the 12th of May which was my 27th birthday so what a way to bring in my 27th birthday at Plymouth coach station it's a unique one moving on to the next voice note there's no point getting angry or stressed at a situation that is out of your control you've just got to accept it now I think this is one of my greatest strengths being able to control myself myself in situations of stress where other people might react in different ways react with anger react with frustration 
take it out on a person that is undeserving because it's not necessarily their fault or because of a situation that is completely out of their control and there's actually nothing that they can do and the reaction that they give probably doesn't solve the situation. When I find myself in these situations, I'm very calm and I'm very understanding that it is out of my control and there's not really much I can do, so there's no point getting stressed or getting angry because that just takes away energy that is of value to me. Imagine when you're in a situation, you're just frustrated and angry and just reacting unnecessarily and think about how that drains you and drains your energy and takes away from your energy that could be used in different situations. Whereas if you take stock of the situation, just stay calm and reserve your energy, which can be used in other areas, then that's so much better in my opinion. Other people like to just get their frustrations out because, you know, it might bottle up, but I just think it's, it's of no use to react in situations like that when it's completely out of your control. And the context around this point was following on from the last voice note. I arrived in Plymouth on my birthday. We went to the hotel and literally it was just a walk up from the bus station. So it was pretty close by, but I walked up to the hotel and had to do the buzzer because it was so late and the guy asked me my name and I told him my name and he let me in. So I was pretty comfortable there. Got to the desk and he was like, hmm, I don't have a Yearning Night Wisdom on file for this evening. Let me just check the computer and see what's going on. So I was kind of just waiting around and he said, yep, no, no Yearning Night Wisdom, no room available for you this after, this like tonight. Uh, but it seems like you've been booked in from the 12th to the 16th rather than from the 11th to the 15th which was my actual dates in Plymouth and just by my luck the hotel was fully booked there was no rooms available apart from two where the people hadn't actually turned up yet but the guy couldn't just give me those rooms because the people might turn up late you know obviously I turned up late so he had to wait around and he called other hotels around the city that were close by and nope no rooms available there so what were my options? I had no options, I had no bed to go to. I was supposed to be waking up the next morning at about 6, 6.30 in order to get breakfast to go and do my first training session in Plymouth to get ready for the competition. And time was ticking away, I was feeling tired. It had been a long day because I was up at 6.30 on the Wednesday morning to get ready to go to the school and I was at the school all day and then I had to go to the pool and go to the gym and do a weight session and then go straight to the airport and fly down to Plymouth and it's just been a really long day already so that's just not what I needed but it was completely out of my control there was nothing I could do like there was no rooms available what was I going to do like, go rampaging around the hotel knocking on doors and find, finding somewhere to sleep in hindsight I could have called James because James happened to still be awake at that time um I didn't want to disturb him because I assumed he might have been asleep but he was still awake and I could have called him and he had a spare bed which I could have stayed in but I didn't think of that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to disturb him. But um, what ended up happening was I just kind of like sat on the sofa in the lobby and just spoke to the guy on reception for literally two hours. And to be fair, the guy could chat. Like he could talk. He could talk. So he just kind of chewed my ear off for about two hours. Um, but we had some common interests on Formula One, on football, and he also shared some really personal stories with me, which was quite deep at that time of the morning and quite deep for just meeting. But, you know, hearing his stories actually gave me some real good perspective on life and real good perspective on 
what I'm doing and the situation I'm in, how grateful I can be. And, you know, it actually turned out to be quite a nice situation under the circumstances. And, you know, had I reacted with anger or frustration, then the guy might not have been so willing to speak to me or to entertain me for that time or to even let me just relax in the lobby as I as I did. And that turned out in, you know, him at a certain point just running his audit a little bit earlier and making a room available for me because the person that he had the rooms ready for that didn't turn up ended up not turning up and he gave me one of their rooms and it turned out to be a slightly nicer room than what I was actually going to get so that was nice I had a little bit more space a really comfortable bed uh, a big double bed which was good uh, it might have been the king bed actually it was, it was pretty big um and then I ended up getting that room for the rest of my trip rather than the original room that I was supposed to get, which was of a slightly lower standard. So from not reacting and just talking to the guy, I think I turned out with a slightly better situation, even though I ended up with only four hours sleep and had to wake up for training the next day. It turned out to be a nice story, but to sum up and to conclude from that point, when you are in situations that are out of your control, just take a breath and take stock of the situation. Realize that it's no one's fault. It might be someone's fault, but there's no, there's no worth and there's no value in wasting energy and reacting, overreacting with anger. Just, just take a breath and allow the situation to play itself out. And, you know, sometimes it might actually turn out in your favor. Something to consider. Okay, on to the final voice note. It's been a long one. What an awesome weekend for so many reasons. But now, this is where Jen's guidance is going to be valuable. So let me quickly run through the weekend. So obviously I arrived in Plymouth on Thursday. Well, yeah, technically Thursday because it was the morning. Uh, but do two sessions Thursday. Got my three meter list off pretty much straight away as much as possible. I think I did a split list. So I did four of my optionals in the morning, four of my optionals, uh, three of my optionals in the afternoon, and they were all all right. I was feeling good. Energy was still there. Even as I mentioned on the Monday, I was a little bit worried about how I would feel. And Thursday is normally my hump day, but I was still feeling good, which was nice. Friday came, did one session on Friday, got my full list off, did some rounds. Um, actually took inspiration from what I saw from the Chinese divers in Tokyo, where I did like just a practice round on my list and then I took a slightly slower round where I did some drills in between each dive which I wouldn't normally do at a competition um, but I actually quite like that so it might be something that I maintain uh, when I go to other competitions later on uh, practicing rounds in training in the competition pool doing drills as I normally would do in the actual event I feel like that actually helped me um, so that was my Friday training session and then Saturday came around and Saturday we started I was the first event at 10 a.m and the the structure of this event um, was, there was like, it was junior and senior. So we started all together. There was like 14 divers in the prelim and we all do six dives, but then the results are separate. So there's a senior result and there's a junior result. Everyone goes through to the semi-final. So there was seven seniors going through to the semi-final and then seven juniors going through to the semi-final. James ended up pulling out because he hurt his back, unfortunately. So they ended up with six divers in our semi-final. We did six optionals. The juniors did five requireds, which is they not, which they normally do uh, in their junior events. And then after that, we went into separate finals. So the top four from each semi-final went into their own final. So we had four in the senior final, where again, we did our six optionals. And then 
for the juniors going through to the junior final doing their six optionals uh whereas actually in a junior event they normally only do five optionals and the the whole event process would be a little bit different but it was a cool concept the four the four diver final was really tough because it was really quick um there wasn't time to kind of do my normal routine between each dive but i had to adjust and adapt a little bit but as i say on the saturday we started off at 10 a.m and i did my prelim and then my other role whilst i was down in plymouth was to do commentary so i was on commentary literally the entire weekend for almost every event apart from my event and the event directly after me because it was too quick for me to get up into the commentary box uh, after getting changed but i was basically sat up on the balcony where it was really 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 hot all day long talking to a microphone with freddie which made it a lot easier because you know freddie's one of my best mates uh from the diving world and we just got on so well and we just had such great chats it was actually difficult maintaining professionalism because we ended up just talking about random stuff and uh just having a lot of fun but it made it it made it really good and actually doing commentary made the days go a lot quicker whereas sometimes you can just find yourself lingering around and there were quite long days there was a lot of time between the prelim and the semi-final so it would have been time that I wouldn't have really known what to do with so I was glad that I had something but it definitely made it challenging kind of sitting up there and not being able to like you know dip out and take a break and enjoy the cool air but I actually preferred it to be fair so anyway I did the prelim scored 436 in the prelim which was huge for a prelim score on a, on a you know Saturday morning um with only a couple of days preparation in that pool. Uh, I was really, really happy with that. And I did a few really good dives, which I was satisfied with. And then the semi-final later on, I scored 4.15, which was a new personal best with my Ford four and a half in the list. And again, I was pretty content. A few of my dives could have gone a little bit better. Um, but, you know, after such a long day with commentary, I was pretty satisfied and I went through to the semi-final as the leader i went through to the final as the leader and i was doing a slightly different kind of processing competition i think i might have mentioned it before in the podcast where i was actually like looking at my scores and this was the first time that i had trialed it out and i actually quite liked it and i felt comfortable doing it i didn't feel overawed or overwhelmed doing it as i have done in the past when i've looked at my scores i didn't get too far ahead of myself thinking about the rest of my list it actually just gave me even more energy to keep on pushing throughout the rest of my list so it's definitely going to be something that i maintain when i come to my next competition looking at scores and just kind of keeping track of how i'm doing and where i am rather than just being a bit more passive which i definitely did at nationals which i didn't enjoy so much so yeah, Saturday finished and went into the final, which was on the following day on the Sunday. And this was the point where I was going to be worried about running out of energy, um, as I said, on the Monday. But I still felt good and I still felt energetic. And, you know, I was up early. Um, we'd spent a bit of time in the evenings kind of like coming together as a group, like playing some cards with London Divers, which was really nice because it's been so long since we've all been together like that. And being able to relax without masks or worrying about COVID and just having a bit of fun. And it was so good to just kind of like sit around playing cards, literally. So Freddie taught me a new game called Kamal, which we played like, what well, I played every evening with various people. And it was just so much fun. But yeah, had a good night's sleep, woke up early the next morning and um, came back in on the Sunday. And I was on commentary from the morning all the way through till my event and... You know, I barely even did a warm-up 
you know, I, I literally was super, super chilled, like, between the junior, pre, uh, sorry, between the junior semi-finals and final, I did a quick, like, little bounce, but in the gym, but apart from that, I was literally sat in the commentary box the entire time, just sat around, and then after the last junior semi-final, I literally went straight down, got straight into the pool, and did my training session, and got ready for the competition, and still felt good, still felt, felt energetic, and then had an awesome, awesome competition, scored 481 points, got 91 points on my reverse three and a half, which I was so surprised with, because it didn't feel like that, and then one overall which I was really happy with and they said they couldn't find a good version of uh, the Jamaican national anthem so asked me if I could give them a replacement and I was like obviously Bob Marley three little birds and they played that and it was a good vibe and everyone was just loving it uh, whilst I was on the podium and then she had to get straight off to the airport and leave fly back up to Edinburgh and that's where I find myself now but now this competition wasn't supposed to go that well. I wasn't supposed to score that high. This was supposed to be like the foundation that I would build on from for the rest of the season. And, you know, then slowly build through Nationals, build through Calgary, build through Budapest and through to Birmingham for Commonwealth Games. But I've started off at a really high level, but there's definitely still areas that I can improve on and still work on in each and every dive. So now I'm relying on Jen's guidance and Jen's direction to kind of carry me through the next little block of training and what I need to focus on, what I need to work on for the next competition coming up at Nationals, which is literally in just over a week. Um, and one metre is going to come back into the game. I haven't really done one metre for a little while, so I'm going to be relying on Jen's kind of guidance to help me through it. And I kind of know what I need to do and what is going to be required, but you know, I can also potentially get carried away with how well I performed in Plymouth, but I don't want to do that, so it's going to be a case of trying to just leave that in the past, leave that to one side, taking stock and appreciation of that event and moving forward with maintaining the confidence that I've had and just riding the wave. But Jen's going to be important to help me do that in the right way, in the best way, so that when it comes around to the Commonwealth Games and to Budapest, really, I'm not exhausted. I've not pushed myself too hard. I've not overworked myself because it's going to be tough. And based on how I felt this weekend, which was really good, I can't I can't say I'm going to feel the same way when it gets to Budapest. My legs are probably going to be a little bit more tired. I might feel a little bit more soreness here and there. So it's going to be important to make sure I manage training and balance everything as well as possible and not overwork myself because there's going to be a lot of traveling, going to Calgary, bit bit of a time difference, then coming back and almost going straight into Budapest. So I'm going to have to be really careful. So I'm going to have to lean on Jen and use her experience with all of this and share our knowledge and make sure I'm open with her talking about how I'm feeling and what I need to do to make sure that when it comes around to Commonwealth Games, I'm in the best window possible to perform. Same with Budapest, same with all of them actually, because I want to I want to maintain performance. I don't want any of them to be poor competitions. I want to compete well and I want to maintain the level of confidence that I've got. So it's going to be a tough journey, but I'm excited. And this has been the kind of long podcast, but it's been good to kind of just sit down and, and share my thoughts and discuss what's been a crazy and eventful week and well, I think that's going to be the process from here on out, really. But, you know, now I just need to kind of take a step back, take a bit of relaxation, but continue the focus, continue the process that I've been developing over the season and 
see where that takes me next. But hopefully you've gained a bit of value from this podcast. Hopefully you've, you've gained a bit of an insight on what it takes to perform at a high level. And I'm so glad that I could show it over the weekend and hopefully I can maintain it. So thank you very much for listening and I will catch you on the next one. Bye. If you've made it to this point, much respect from me to you. We are almost done. Before you go, be sure to leave a rating and a comment. Give my athletes voice social accounts a like or a follow. I'll be back with more stories and more conversations soon. So stay tuned.